Welcome back to Real Sisters in a State. This is Tristan Newton, and I am here with Melissa Hunter, and we are diving into the hottest topics in the industry today, interest rates. So, Hi, everybody. It's nice to be here. Yes. We hope you guys all had a great holiday season, are moving on from the Christmas chaos and getting ready for 2024. But I think that these interest rates are the number one topic everyone is talking about today. So we want to dive in and kind of put things into perspective for you guys on rates and why we feel the interest rates should not be holding you back when it comes to making your decision in real estate. I think so too. You know, there's so many factors that go into home ownership, but one thing we all have in common renting or owning is that we all need a place to live. I think we can all agree with that. What do you think, Trista? Absolutely. We all need a place to live. So that's our platform. We all have something in common. Ownership and rental, we all need a place to live. Now going from there is where we all branch off. How we inhabit a place, um, whether it's ownership or rental. Uh, Tristan, do you have any stories for us today? Oh, in regards to rates or rentals? Well, uh, whichever you choose. So, not necessarily a very funny story, but I think that touching on rentals is important. We were just looking at what is available rental-wise in Ventura. So, the city of Ventura, if you were to go to Zillow and pull up all the rentals in Ventura, the most affordable home is under 500 square feet at $17.95 a month. And I'm not sure if you can imagine what 500 square feet is, but for most people, it's about the size of a two-car garage. Yes, exactly. And you know what? Let's do this. Let's take our calculator and let's look at monthly affordability. So if we were to rent at $1,795 a month, and this is 4,700 square feet, everybody, we were to turn around and purchase a $425,000 property, which is slightly larger than 475 square feet, mind you, in a better neighborhood, and have a down payment of 5%, which could be covered by CalHAPA, which is the state-governed first-time homebuyer program, then your monthly payment would be $3,169 a month for a $425,000 place. And your tax write-off would be $500 a month. So looking at this from the big picture, right? Everyone's looking at it on uh, like a micro scale, looking at it from a macro scale. Everyone's looking at that monthly mortgage payment. They're saying, oh, $17.95 is less than what my mortgage would be. But here's the thing. Your interest rate on a rental is 100% regardless. You're not getting any return on your investment. You're not building any equity. You don't have the tax write-offs that you have when you're purchasing a property. And you have no ability to refinance down the road if you needed to. I was watching a YouTube video the other day of a lender talking about why would a seller reef or let's not even call them a seller, a typical homeowner. They're not thinking of selling at any point in time. 
but let's say that they bought their home and I'm going to use generic numbers just to keep it simple. They bought their home two years ago with a 3% interest rate and their mortgage payment is $1,800 a month. During the two year time that they've owned the property, they have taken out credit cards to do some improvements on the home. They've taken vacations on their credit cards and they've also financed two cars. So while they're paying $1,800 a month for their mortgage, their monthly payments between their credit cards, their car payments and their mortgage is five grand a month. So she took this and said, now let's say that these people have a 3% interest rate due to a cash out refi pull out the money to pay off their revolving debt with their credit cards to pay off the loans that they have on both of their vehicles and have one lump payment, their payment at a 7% interest rate would be, and taking the cash out, would be about $3,200 a month. Now, $3,200 is definitely higher than their $1,800 that they were paying before, but looking at it from a larger perspective, they're saving about two grand a month, $1,800 a month, by refinancing at a higher interest rate. So while most people are looking at, oh, it was 3% and my payment's gonna go up to this, these are the things that people need to be taking into consideration is the future. And what happens when you do go buy a new car and now you're maxed out and you're not sure how you're gonna make those monthly payments anymore, you, you have the opportunity and the ability to refinance, get yourself out of debt, even if it's a little bit higher of a mortgage interest rate, you're saving yourself money. So she was able to save them from drowning in debt with five grand a month that they were barely able to afford, refinance, get out of debt, and still be saving themselves money every month. And then if they wanted to, if they were at a position where you could afford that extra $2,000 a month, put it towards their mortgage and be paying that down faster. So when you start to look at things from a macro perspective, the interest rates don't matter. They really don't in the end game. Well, you know, people only look as far as their rental payment because they want to be in the dark. Okay. Um, but it's bigger than that. Believe it or not, the difference between your 1,795, 475 square foot, one bedroom, one bath property on the avenue and a $425,000 condo now, the $425,000 condo can buy you a property that's upgraded, believe it or not. I just I just settled in on Dean Drive, uh, which is across from the mall. Yeah, Buena Ventura Gardens. Completely upgraded. I'm talking flooring, granite countertops, quartz countertops, stainless steel appliances. Every piece of that property was completely redone with a garage and a pool, year-round heated, with all the bells and whistles. The difference between that 1795 single bedroom bathroom in on the avenue that's not dated, completely dated, in a in a questionable neighborhood. Um, and that condo is actually $886 a month. And this is why. The tax write-off is $487 a month on that place. So if you're renting at $17.95 and you don't have a tax write-off like the like the the condo does, then you have to add that $487 back into that expense because you don't have that write-off. So you're technically paying $2,282 a month for that $17.95 property. Now you're $886 away from home ownership, right? 
from a nice upgraded place. You can get something cheaper, but I'm just saying standard. Apples to apples um, is first versus one bedroom, one bath, one bedroom, one bath. Now, in five years, the question is, is $17.95 what you'll be paying for rent? Or will you be increasing your rental amount by about 10% on average every year? Because last time I checked, property managers are increasing rental payments by about 10% every year. Now, that means that in five years, guess what you'll be paying? You'll be paying $886 more a month for rent. And your pretty condo that's sitting there fully updated will not change in payment after five years. Only will be worth more typically in five years. So you're gaining all of that leverage and equity. Lastly, in five years, if you were to own a property at $425,000, you would have paid into the principal about $25,000 and you have your down payment that would be covered by the, the state of California and appreciation. So in total equity, you'd be sitting on over $100,000 in your bank account, $100,000 by ownership. Now, if you're sitting in that condo, you'd be paying about the same in five years and you wouldn't have anything to show for it. Yep, I just read that if you were to pay $2,500 a month for a rental, you're giving about $200,000 to your landlord every five years. Now, of course, there's a lot of reasons why people rent. And it could be that, you know, you're in a particular type of relationship where you're not ready to make that move to go into home ownership together, or there could be some movement that you want to make in the future that would cause you to leave the neighborhood. And, you know, you want to wait till then to decide where you want to live permanently. We're not, we're not knocking those concepts, but if you, have a, if you have a retirement in the bank or you qualify for a CalHAFA first time home buyer financing product, and you're making at least a $2,000 monthly payment towards rent, you should be working towards home ownership in this area. Definitely. And I think that um, a lot of people in this situation don't even know, they haven't had somebody sit down with them and show them the difference in where you can be in five years with each scenario. And that's what we're here for. This is what we love to do is sit down with people and educate them on their options, because believe it or not, there's more options out there than most people realize. And um, I think the number one thing I get from buyers is, oh, I don't know if I can get approved, you know, whether it's their credit or they're self-employed or they moved from out of state into a different career. All of these things they're unsure about, but they're uncertainty is holding them back from even researching and finding out if it's a possibility. And so that's, that's, that's what we do. This is what we love to do is sit down with people and say, okay, what are your goals? Where would you like to be in five years? Let's see if it makes sense for you. It's definitely, I mean, you know, I just had a conversation with the first time home buyer before we got on this call. Now, one of the things that she said was that she was making almost a hundred thousand dollars a year on her own. Um, her monthly rental is $2,300 a month. She doesn't feel comfortable going over $3,000 a month on mortgage. And she has some money saved aside for the down payment. Now, this is what I've discovered from her. Um, one of the things she hasn't done is talk with her CPA to see what she's really losing on, you know, home ownership, right? Because she is paying taxes and not having a deduction 
like I mentioned. So she's paying $2,300, but in essence, she's probably paying more like $3,000 a month because she doesn't have a write-off. Yeah. Now, the other thing that I've discovered is um, that she's been, you know, she's been looking online at properties for about six months. Um, and one of the things that it, she's very sensitive about is the condition of the property because where she's living is a condition that she likes. Now, I want to encourage everybody by saying condition can be changed at a very minimal cost. I've seen the most beautiful kitchens done for $4,000 through Ikea and Home Depot. You wouldn't even believe what these kitchens look like. Um, bathrooms, flooring, all of that stuff can be changed out for a minimal amount of money and made into your own. So I wouldn't let that discourage you either. But at the end of the conversation, this is what I said to her. You're halfway there. You're honest with yourself about where you want your payment to be. You're, you're constantly looking online for something that you're interested in, in living in. And all you need to do now is to get it pre-approved and also apply for those state those state funded programs so that you can get some assistance with your down payment to get comfortable with your monthly payment. Yeah. Yep. But something else is condition, going back to the condition. Your first home isn't usually your forever home. It's a stepping stone. So while you might have to take a step back and say, okay, is condition as high of a priority as it should be? And thinking through these things, and that's, you know, also why we're here to help you is to figure out, you know, okay, this is a, it's a good price. It's in a good location, but the condition, I know you said condition is important. What are some things that we can do to improve this property? And when you are able to improve your own property, you're going to get that back in the future and it's a stepping stone. So then when the time comes, let's say that you're ready to move on to your next property, you've got solid sweat equity in that house because you got it for a good price because of the condition that you were able to improve and capitalize on. Yes, most definitely. You know, I can't begin to tell you what you can do with, to transform a property into something that you, you would love, love, love to live in. But initially when you're looking at it, you know, from the way that the person is in, is living in it at the time that you're buying, you know, you can't you can't write that off as what your property is going to look at like when you take ownership for sure. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes all properties need is to be cleaned out and painted, and it looks like a completely different home. My goodness, I I can't begin to tell you how many properties I have seen transform just by paint and flooring alone. Yep. Yeah. Those are the only two things that are really needed. And then just some moderate appliances and some light fixtures here and there. Yep. So Tristan, do you have a funny story about uh, renters purchasing um, that you can tell? I don't know how funny it is, but I, I, so I had clients who were renters that were purchasing a home and the people they were purchasing a home for we're selling this property and moving into another one. So it was a domino effect of a closing. Okay. Now, three days before closing, we're ready to go. They have movers scheduled and they have to be out of their house on the day of closing because at 6 p.m. on the day of closing, their new owners are coming into the property because their landlord was selling the home. So they were selling the house, they were, you know, buying this one as tenants, 
And so they had to be out at 6 p.m. on the day of closing. So they they get their movers all lined up. Everything's packed and ready to go. The movers come the morning of closing. They get everything into the moving truck and ready to go to their new property. Only when the moving trucks show up, the owner of the property hadn't begin to pack. Oh my goodness. We're closing. Like everything's funded. We're just waiting for the county to send the email that says you are confirmed as recorded and like keys are getting transferred. Okay. So they call me and they're like, Hey, you know, obviously we don't have keys yet. Um, but the movers just parked the moving truck on the side of the house. It was like a corner lot. And everything is still in their garage and it doesn't look like anybody's moving. You know, at the 11th hour, you're thinking, um, we're supposed to have keys in a few hours and these people haven't even packed a thing. So long story short, the home that they were moving into, the sellers were moving into, wasn't quite ready for them yet. And instead of communicating this to anybody, they just thought, I don't know, we'll deal with it when the time comes. So they had to literally vacate their house. And when I say they walked away from everything, there were prescription medications and toothbrushes in the cabinets. Literally, they just walked, they grabbed a bag of whatever and took off and never came back for the rest of their stuff. So that's the craziest renter buying a home story I think that I have. Um, Was just expecting to move into an empty house and showing up on closing day to discover that they hadn't moved. So we closed that day, we got the keys and they literally said, we're not coming back for any of it. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. yeah I, you know, it's, I would say real estate, you know, that's just highlights the fact that real estate is psychological and home buying is psychological. It, it really is. I mean, if you get into the process of buying a home, there's a psycholo- psychological shift that happens in your brain that tells you that you can do it. That you're con- you know, that you're confident enough to get into home ownership, and that might be different in other states because it's more affordable, so it's easier to get into properties. But in California, there's a psychological process to buy a property, and that's for yeah. sure. Yep, absolutely. I um, I had a situation where a gentleman put his home up for sale, and he his wife had passed, and she um, was the love of his life, and so they had this property and, and did a lot of things in this property um, fun-wise, you know, and they didn't live in it full time. So when he sold it, uh, he had a really difficult time telling us that he couldn't get himself to take things out of, his, out of, out of the property. Five days before closing, that's when there was a discovery that he hasn't moved one single item out of that house. Yeah. And everything had to go on Facebook Marketplace and get moved out within that five days. Fortunately, the buyer was was willing to take a lot of the items that were left in the house. So there was minimal to do, but it was still a, a multiple day process trying to get everything out that the buyer required us to get out. Um, and lesson learned, I guess a, a good a good thing that I learned from that is to keep checking in with sellers mm-hmm. if, if they are in fact ready to completely leave the property um, when they say that they are. <laughs> yeah, this is 
a little tip, right? Like one of those things that, you know, people say, write this down, write this down. If you are a home seller, write this down. Start packing with your garage. Yes. Do yourself a favor and start with your garage, especially with how many people in California are moving out of state these days. I can't tell you how many times people pack the entire interior of their home and then do the garage last and realize they don't have enough room to move nearly as much as they want to or need to. I can tell you from personal experience from moving out of state, your garage holds the most amount of stuff. And it's stuff that you're not thinking about. And it's heavy stuff. And usually when there's a man involved, it's a lot of tools and a lot of car parts and things like that. So start with your garages, people. Save yourself the stress. Start with your garage. Oh, yeah. I um, I know that in the past I have come to properties like that I've listed and the sellers say, okay, I'm completely vacated. I, I, I've left the property. When that happens, I usually go to the property to make sure it's ready to be delivered before I hand over the keys. And I can't begin to tell you how many times I found things in the garage. Yes, yes. Because people haven't taken. I've, I've found some really nice, valuable things. Don't get me wrong that I'm, I call them back and say, are you sure? You know, you want to leave this? I could probably throw this in my, my car and, and take it to you. Um, but, you know, you're right. Yeah. You are completely right about that. Yeah, the garage and the attic too. That was some, most people forget about things in the attic. Um, I had a client move out of state. She was an elderly client and her husband used to play the guitar. And the new owner had taken ownership and possession of the house and was in the attic putting storage stuff away and said, there's about three guitars up here. And I don't know if they left them intentionally, if they didn't want them. So I reached out and she was forever grateful. She had forgotten that she stuck them up in the attic and they were her late husband's guitar. Wow. Well, in light of this conversation, what I'm getting out of this conversation is, you know, as far as interest rate goes, I want to encourage everybody to look at the California state programs for first time home buyers don't give up on home ownership. Home ownership has more benefits than you could even imagine. Rentals are not what it, they seem. The price that you're paying now is not what the price will be in five years, more than likely. And uh, the rental amount that you're making, add $500 to it minimum. Yes. And that's what you're really paying because you're giving away a tax write-off that you would normally have if you owned. Yep. So is there anything else that we wanna talk about, Trista? I think that's it. I think it's just the importance of of figuring out how to make the best of the situation when you're a first-time home buyer. There's assistance available, there's guidance available. That's what we are here for. You know, regardless of your scenario, your situation, we're not here to judge. We're only here to provide value and educate you on what's available and the best way to go about doing that if it's what you want to do. Most definitely. I mean, I'm really hopeful. Like the, the woman that I spoke with before this podcast keeps on going. I mean, you know, she has all of the components to purchase. It's just a matter of finding that sweet spot and price. And I think she can accomplish it with the state funded first time home hire down to payment assistance program. Now, I, I would not by any means allow a lender 
to discredit those programs. A lot of lenders do. And that's simply because they don't have the certification to offer the program and the work that's required to get the funds from the lender is a little extraneous. So what I also encourage buyers to do, first-time buyers to do when they're looking at these programs and their lender says, oh, forget about that money, forget about it because it's it's not worth it, is to say, okay, I still want to quote, I still want to know what it is, and are you qualified to give me that product? Yes. That's what the, the question should be. Have you been certified to offer these products? Or are you just saying this so that we can move on? interview interview multiple lenders i mean you don't have to the first one you talk to doesn't have to be the one that you use you need to find somebody that you feel comfortable with that you feel is experienced enough to handle your unique situation um and lenders aren't a one-size-fits-all just like realtors aren't a one-size-fits-all so i think the highest amount that i've seen come from a buyer with home buyer assistance was from the city of oxnard Um, She received something like $50,000 in total. It was 30 from the city of Oxnard and 20 from the U.S. Bank, first time homebuyer grant. So some of the money she didn't even have to pay back. Um, The city money she did, but the the grant money that she got from U.S. Bank, she did not have to pay back. It was a grant. And she combined both of those and had $50,000 to put towards a home purchase. Yep. I've got clients through one of the... um, City programs and first-time homebuyer down payment programs. We're getting $140,000 in down payment assistance, covered oh their down payment and all of their closing costs. They got a check. The home buyer got a check at escrow for money back that they had put down as their earnest money deposit because the program paid for their down payment and all of their closing costs. Some of it they do have to pay back. Some of it gets forgiven after five years. Um, but this is a family that they a very special clients to me they were both the first people to ever own their home in their entire families on on both sides the husband and the wife side so they were both first-time homeowners first members of their family lineage to own property in california and it was it was a super cool thing so even if you think it's something that you can't do reach out reach out you never know unless you take the first step of talking to somebody. That's where it's going to begin. Yes, and don't leave any money on the table. $140,000 is a lot of money. So if you have any interest in getting into these programs, reach out to Trista and I, and we can give you the resources so that you can apply. This is the time to do it in the beginning of the year when the funds are available and, uh, and are ready to be spent. Yep. Okay. Well, we hope you guys found this information helpful. We will see you again next week. We hope you have a very happy new year. And we look forward to all that 2024 has to bring. Yes. 2024, here we come. All right, guys. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.